In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Yesterday, the Church celebrated the feast or the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It is an important solemnity during ordinary time because it underlines the, the degree to which God loves us with His Sacred Heart, with His Sacred Humanity. Today, on the first Saturday after the Sacred Heart, the Church celebrates the Immaculate Heart of Mary because she is the most perfect reflection of the love and the purity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. There's the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And how is that expressed? It is expressed most perfectly in Mary. It was a great solemnity yesterday and there's a long-standing tradition of devotion in different forms to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And how did it well, how did it all start? How did first the devotion to the Sacred Heart start, and how did that come to, to be articulated in the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Well, the passage we read yesterday was from St. John, chapter 19, where St. John is standing there in front of Jesus, who's being crucified. And he's looking upon Jesus, and he's standing there and it is at one point where we are told by St. John that that the Jews said okay we don't want the the prisoners or the, the, the criminals there to stay there on the crosses so they asked permission to Pilate to break their legs so that that would accelerate their death because in the Old Testament it said in the book of Exodus, it said that, that uh, you know, you, well, for you to uh, sacrifice the lamb in the Passover, it always had to be a perfect lamb. It had to have no blemishes, and you could not break its bones. So Jesus here is the new lamb that would be sacrificed for us. So as you know, the, the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the first uh, criminal, then the second one. And that accelerated their death. And when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. He was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. So in that way, he's, he's like the perfect lamb, right? So that soldier that stood there, and this is what John is observing, he takes his lance, his name was Longinus, and he pierces the side of Jesus. He pierces it an act of violence, an act of hostility, maybe to, just to make sure that he really was dead without breaking the bones. And we are told that, this is what John saw, that out of the side of Christ came gushing out 
blood and water. And this was not just a trickle. This was not just a little line of water and blood. It was like literally, it was, it was like a powerful vision. And, and that soldier was just bathed there in this water and his blood. And he fell to his feet and converted right there. He said, truly, this is the Son of God. And John says, I have witnessed to this. They will look upon him whom they have pierced, he said. And he was quoting there from Zechariah, from the, from the Old Testament, one of the prophets. And he says, behold, it is true. I am testifying to the truth of what I just saw. Behold him, they will look upon him whom, whom they have pierced. Okay, he was pierced, water and blood came out, but what does it mean? What are we supposed to take out of this? And as we do our prayer here, in front of our Lord in the tabernacle, we ask him as we pray, Lord, help me to understand this. Because John doesn't explain what it means. He just says, I testified that this happened. And so we are left with simply an image and very often, if you look at a crucifix, very often you do see a scar or, or a puncture wound on the side, and you do see water and blood coming out. But in the actual moment, it would have been really dramatic. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what was the meaning of this? Well, the fathers of the church started to think about it, and they, well, they said, okay, water and blood flowing out, it evoked for them the Old Testament that, for example, when uh, Moses struck the rock, right? He struck the famous scene where he was at Meribah. He stuck. He struck the rock, and water came gushing out. But some of the older translations also say that water and blood also came out. That's what gave life to those people there. So they said, "Well, this is now the new Moses, right? who who is giving us life through this water and this blood." Others said that, well, that water and that blood coming out is really a symbol of the water being the baptism, which enters us into new life, and the blood, of course, being a symbol of the Eucharist, which is the summit of the new life. It's what nourishes us in the life as Christians. And, and of course, seeing all this was the Blessed Virgin Mary. And uh, she too would have been able to testify to the truth of what was happening. In fact, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Mother of God, she is the one who gave the incarnate word. She gave Jesus his whole humanity. That blood that came from him was also the blood of Mary. You know, it was, they were of the same blood. The hands... And the feet that were that were pierced for us, mm-hmm. the, the heart that showed pity on the sick and on the on the sick crowds. Well, in the same way, Mary is also for each one of us a refuge. She's like a refuge because you know she sought to follow her divine son. And that's why perhaps one first lesson we can take from this Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary is that 
we go to the Blessed Virgin Mary, we ask for her intercession whenever we feel weak or when we are tempted to ask her to help us overcome temptation and especially the courage to overcome temptation and the courage to overcome or to not so much overcome but get up again if we have fallen if we become let's say we become really lazy right and we don't get out of bed or we don't do our chores or the things we're asked to do or or sometimes we just need what do we need well sometimes we just need patience patience Mary would have needed patience to endure watching her son there dying on the cross. It was a very difficult moment. The thing was not resolved. There were several hours there. And sometimes we have to be patient with, sometimes with difficult people, with hard work that we have to do, or some, I don't know, some pain that you have to endure. And imagine, sometimes we have to do something difficult that we don't like to do. Well, turn to Mary. Sometimes it's good if you're have an image of her in your room just to turn to her and just like just make eye contact with the image right and say Mary like I'm getting really annoyed by so and so can you like help me like now because I'm going to explode right and uh, Mary will go okay don't worry about it hang in there you can do it come on Look, I stood by the foot of the cross, okay? So, like, you can do it too, okay? Come on, hang in there. And uh, in that sense, uh, Mary can be a special protection. All we just have to do is remember that she fortifies us by her intercession. Like, she, like streams of grace come our way when we have recourse to her. That's, uh, recourse means, well, we could say a Hail Mary. We could just look at her. We don't even have to say Hail Mary. Sometimes we just look at her. Or we just look at the cross, when did this devotion start? Well, I mean, it's an ancient devotion, but it was Pope Pius XII who, during the Second World War, put the entire world under the protection of the Blessed Virgin, and he consecrated the entire world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I think that was in 1944. And he decreed uh, that the whole church should celebrate this feast. It was later moved, uh, the exact time, but, but you know, he really wanted the whole world to be under her protection. So two elements are essential for this devotion. First is Mary's interior life and the beauties of her soul that is shown in the way she had confidence and trust and peace, confidence and trust in God, faith, but also in her Mary's virginal Body, that's what we call her, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And in artwork, traditionally, the Heart of Mary, or Mary is shown sometimes, kind of shown with droopy eyes. She's kind of looking like this, she's like that, and she's got a, a kind of heart floating right here, surrounded by roses. Some roses are red, some roses are white. You know, it's like alternating and then it's shining, and then there's a sword going right through the heart, like, whoa, you know, it's like, and she's going, just got, you know, and uh, sometimes there's like seven swords, like, you know, 
it's like and I heard a story I don't know I'm, well I know the story is true but well I don't know how true but I know of uh, of a guy who went to um, he went to the Holy Land and uh, he went to a, a church called Our Lady of Sorrows which is like I don't know where it is exactly in the Holy Land but it was like like way close to where Mary lived and stuff and and when you go to the Holy Land, you have to be shown around by guides, you know, tour guides, people that explain things to you. Oh, Jesus was here, or the apostles were here, Mary was here, blah, blah, blah. And they explain everything. You can't just get anybody. It has to be somebody who is officially, you know, sort of registered by the state of Israel. So they're not necessarily Christians. But they explain interesting historical stuff. And uh, so they're going into a church, and there's an image of Our Lady of Sorrows. And there's her heart with the sword through it and somebody in the group asked well, how come uh, how come there's a sword uh, through her heart there and uh, the guy clearly had no idea you know but uh, the guy said uh, oh yeah hmm um, why well that's because uh, you know when Mary uh, saw that her son was killed on the cross and stuff she was so sad that she committed suicide <laughs> you know so he said, what? He said, I don't think so, you know. And uh, so the, clearly that's not what she did, right? But the image of the sword is meant to represent her sorrow at the different aspects or different moments of her life. Like when she went to Simeon, right? When she presented Jesus into the temple with Joseph, Simeon said he had received a vision from God saying that he would, he would not die until he saw uh, until he saw the Savior. And so finally Mary and Joseph bring Jesus as a little baby and he picks it up and he says, now, speaking to God, now you can let my servant, your servant go. I have seen the salvation of the world. And then he turned to Mary and said, and your heart a sword shall pierce. You see, a sword shall pierce. And Mary's going, okay, well, well fine. And so the sword really refers to the sorrows that she had to endure like the flight into Egypt uh, when they had to escape right or when they lost Jesus in the temple right that was a big uh, terrible thing for her you know to lose her child she didn't know where he was uh, for that was a, a deep pain right because she loved him so much right or of course naturally when she saw him on the cross I mean that was a deep pain it was like a sword going into her heart and very, very powerful also is when they placed his body into her arms, right? It's the, called the lamentation, right? It's the lamentation. So she lamented and she was full of sorrow. So there's the dead Jesus in her arms. It was like a sword in her heart. And there are seven of these sorrows, right? And in, from the scriptures, basically. And so that's, that's what led to that image of these seven sorrows in her heart. And it's, it's meant to be an image. It's just meant to be a way of reminding us of the degree to which Mary loved her son, but also the degree to which we have to be people who love. That we have to love those around us, but even those who we find difficult. We have to be people, you know, who really, who really know how to love. And to know how to love inevitably means we have some form of pain, some form of sorrow, like, like a sword in our heart. And um, St. Augustine, a famous 4th uh, century father of the church, he, he says that 
she was more blessed, Mary was more blessed in having born Christ in her heart than having conceived him in the flesh. You see? Of course, she conceived him in the flesh, but, but the way in which she loved him in her heart, and she followed him along and, and was with him all the time, that, that was made her very blessed. So, for us, as we consider today's feast, the heart of Mary is not some romanticized religious presentation of Mary, but one where we can experience both deep joy of loving God, loving Jesus, loving Mary, but also that we are ready to be courageously strong and ready to suffer out of love. And um, there are other passages that that tell us about Mary's heart, like when the shepherds adored her newborn son, the Gospel of Luke says, she pondered all these things in her heart. Right? All these people from afar came and, and adored her son. Right? And, uh, and also, after, all, after the seed in the temple, she pondered these things, she kept these things in her heart. So, we too have to, we have to keep the love of God in our heart. Remember what our Lord said, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Mm-hmm. We, we shall see God. And so, there must be an interior cleanliness in our heart, mm-hmm. and that will strengthen our faith, mm-hmm. and it will strengthen also our vocation. Those three things, faith, purity, vocation. If we have strong faith, we'll have purity. And if we have those two stable things, the Lord will open to us what He really wants from us. But if we're fragile in our purity, it's going to weaken our faith. We're not going to trust God that much. And therefore, we'll be kind of darkened as to what exactly God wants from us. So we need a pure heart, and and we need to to have a, a strong faith. And why is that? Well, this is what St. Paul said. Do you not know, he said, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Temples? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a great price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Mm-hmm. We, have to, we, are, we are temples. Our body is a temple. We can't do whatever we want with our body. Today, people think they can do whatever they want with their body, with their sexuality. But it has been given to us as a treasure and has a lot of value. Like, like It's like a valuable piece of property, like real estate. Once you buy the real estate, it can create great wealth. Like if you bought a building on Dundas and uh, Young, that's high-level real estate. Because a lot of people pass by there, but if you bought it in, you know, really, really far somewhere, way, 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 way north, nobody goes there. So who cares, you know? But even that is still expensive, you know. But uh, but we're like we're like high value property, mm-hmm. so we have to protect it, take care. Of. And if you go and buy a building, if you imagine you want to buy a house and it looks really nice from outside. Oh, I like this house. It's got a nice facade. Yeah, but first you have to check the, the wiring. You have to check the plumbing. You have to check the floors. Are they good and all that stuff? You know, maybe it's uh, 
looks nice outside, but uh, it's falling apart inside. No, we have, to, we have to be strong inside. And inside means our heart. Somebody who has a strong heart. And how do we do that? Well, love God, trust Him, and, well, be a soul of prayer. And God is merciful, so we can always start again. I mean, we can always begin again, right? And uh, maybe Our Lady will help us. Well, maybe. I'm sure she will help us eh, if we have recourse to her. Simply by looking, looking at images of Our Lady, praying the rosary. We're a bit tempted. We want to get mad. Our temperature is going up. and We're super, 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 super mad. Just say Hail Mary and the temperature goes down. You know, it's, you know, she'll help us to have a truly pure heart. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.